Hey there, and welcome to another episode of Control Alt Azure. I'm Tobias. I'm back again with UC. What's up? Hey, Tobias. I am at an offsite with one of my teams today, and the only place I could find for doing a recording of today's episode was this small phone booth. You know, those super small booths that have a tiny table, and then you put your laptop there, and the intention is that you do like a five-minute call, and that's it. And it's like 32 degrees Celsius in here. The ventilation is not working at all. But I did get a free lunch today, so I really have no room to complain about any of this. But if you see or hear me fainting in here, it's just me and the 32 degrees in this small, tiny room. But besides this, everything is great. How about you? I've got you on camera here. So if I do see you pop out of the page for more than five seconds, I'll I'll be sure to call someone. Um, on my end, I got a new pair of glasses and I'm really dizzy now because I just put them on. I'm not giving up. So if you hear me talking in riddles, it's just because I can't see anymore and I'm just getting dizzy. So if for anyone wearing glasses, you know what it's like when you get a, a new prescription, you put a new pair of glasses on and as soon as you put them on, it's like, hey, I can see so many more details now, but I'm also so dizzy because your eyes and brain is not used to you know, that kind of focus. So that's me at the moment. Okay, so if this episode runs for four hours, it means I fainted and you just just zone on. I just on keep and talking on, on. about something. Yeah, you just keep talking about something and then you can just click stop on the podcast and come back next week. All righty. So today's episode is about when to use what with generative AI. And the intention really here is, um, I think we got the idea with, with a couple of uh, meetings with, with customers and often the sort of ask or the question is, we need to do X and X is some regular business tool like a web app or databases or integrations or whatnot, but we need to do X, but let's add AI and do that. And it's it's often a bit problematic trying to explain that, well, well, yeah, AI is not like a black box that you just add somewhere and it does magic for you. You really have to decide what large language models you're planning on using, how are you planning on using them, what's the runtime, what's the engine, how are you building that, how are you integrating all of that. So we'll, we'll go through these different capabilities and options that you should be considering. When, when building this. And for the tools that we mentioned, we'll, we'll put the links in the show notes so it will be easier for you to find that bit as well. Toby, for you, are you exposed to these sort of questions or asks, or is it fully clear for you that you just add AI and magic happens? Yeah, that's a, no, that's a great question. And um, if you take a look in social media, blog posts, if you take a look at marketing announcements and all these things, one thing is clear, AI is in everybody's mind at this point in time, but it's not always clear what the purpose is. Like, what do you want to achieve with AI? Uh, what is your goal with AI? Because um, it's it's still a kind of a marketing buzzword. It's a vehicle, like people are riding the wave of, of AI, but what's the real use case? What will you want to do with it? So I've been involved in a bunch of discussions like that. And you know, one thing that's clear is a lot of folks know how to use generative AI now. You have ChatGPT, the most popular one out there. Uh, you have Azure OpenAI services. You have the different co-pilots. You have the, the various ways to uh, leverage 
creating your own kind of generative AI solutions as well. Um, so we see a couple of different angles to the discussion that that I'm, I'm involved in. One is, how do I set this up? How do I leverage something like ChatGPT, but I want to own the data? The data should be protected. Okay, cool. That's one type of conversation. The other type of conversation is, how can I get started building or extending my own type of generative AI based on my type of information? So can you analyze my data, my company's data, my documentation? Can you analyze our customer reports? Can you analyze all the data you have and pick out using like the 80-20 principle? With a 20% of time and efficiency, pick out the 80% winning. So find the top 10 customers that are most likely to convert into a sale, stuff like that. That's something where customers are also starting looking looking into convers conversational AI, but generative AI as well. But then bringing that into like an AI chatbot or something, so sales reps can go and say, "Hey, give me the ten customers that you think is most likely to buy something in this category for the next three months," and then they you can go after those. Um, and then the third option that I've been involved in the the type of discussion is how do you govern AI? Right. So now we built it. We built our own AI. We built our own generative AI based on some of the ecosystems that were provided platforms for us, uh, or we're leveraging APIs like ChatGPT API or Azure OpenAI or whatever it might be. We're now using it. How do you govern it? How do you manage it? How do you make sure that you keep the control of all the things that you just built and deployed? So those are kind of the angles to the discussions that I hear. Um, but more and more people are asking, how do I build my own stuff? How do I... Like, what's the next step for me to build something based on my own data? How can I build something and offer my customers something better in return? I, I like the thinking here, and perhaps it's it's worth underlining here that we are not suggesting that forget the co-pilot services and capabilities that Microsoft is offering, like Microsoft 365 co-pilot or Power Platform co-pilot and so on. You most probably will benefit from those. But then you have these one-off needs or very specific needs that are not related to a document in OneDrive that I want to get wisdom on using AI. But it might be a custom tool or a backend engine that is getting customer data. We just want to leverage generative AI as part of that. And it most probably doesn't even have a chat interface. It's an engine through an API that we will be leveraging so the couple of options that we have that, that to me make the most sense when faced with a question on we need to do x but with ai do ai it's magic so a couple of options that 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 will focus on azure ai studio let's start with that one copilot studio for microsoft and then just using ai locally meaning let's not necessarily rely on the cloud let's run something on the workstation on something on a server that we fully manage which might be in on-premises it might be co-hosted in, in a data center or it might be in the cloud as well so when we get started with azure ai studio the latest incarnation i recall was released at ignite we briefly touched on this during one of our update episodes a couple of months ago any experience, Toby, with this? Any pros and cons? Any reflections on what you see Azure AI Studio being used for? Yeah, that's a 
like how much time do we have right um, I, I think <laughs> high level i love astro ai studio as um, like an experimental playground figuring things out evaluating models trying to find the right model for your data so we're already at the point now in this conversation that we assume we're going to build something we assume we're going to build our own generative ai solution you know whatever the purpose is let's assume we're going to build a a conversational chatbot for customers to engage with on our website to find the most relevant information or an internal communication tool where you ask this AI assistant, hey, give me the most 10 uh, relevant customers for this type of sale because we're going to have a um, like a black week exercise or something like that. And we just want to make sure we send this to the relevant audience. These are some of the things where I think Azure AI Studio, if you're building these things and you need to find the right model, Azure AI Studio is something that comes to mind. So I tried Azure AI Studio, I deployed a couple of models. Um, so I set up my uh, my project, um, did a couple of deployments of OpenAI GPT-12, uh, some of the uh, Parrot paraphrasing, Llama 2.7, uh, Facebook BART, large CNN 19. You know, all these things have fancy uh, model names with versions on them. So I tried a bunch of these different things out, and it's pretty convenient. So one of the benefits of using Azure AI Studio to me is you can get started in no time. Literally, you click a button, and you just select, hey, I want this model for this purpose, and then you hit go. It's going to deploy it for you. You're going to select, hey, do you need three instances, one instance, twin instances, whatever. Just be mindful of the cost, because that's, for me, I, I burnt the, through the uh, limit of my budget pretty quickly. Uh, deploying some of these models because they will be deployed on, on pretty juicy VMs, right? So that's something to keep in mind. So if there's a pro in this being easy to use, the con and uh, the drawback is obviously there's a price point and that's going to eat into your budget. So you need to understand what that means. And also you should probably set a budget alert and budget restrictions and quotas before you do this. So you don't deploy some, then you go for coffee, forget about it, and then three days later, your subscription is blocked because you don't have funds on your credit card anymore. Um, so I think that's important to uh, to point out. Um, but it's super easy to use. You you can do things like prompt flow. You can, you can go in there and, and design your own prompt flow, like a prompt flow of the type chat, a uh, conversation. What should that look like? You can do custom uh, neural voice configurations and, and create a new voice. You can do fine tuning. Um, so if you have models, you can fine tune them. Um, and, and that's right now, I think it's subject to some regional constraints. I'm not sure if that is going to be the same always. Um, but some of the models that um, that you can do this on, I think, is the Llama 270B. Uh, as an example, I know a lot of folks have used some of the Llama models. Um, then you have to select a project in one of those regions where that can be used for fine tuning. And then you can start fine tuning your own models. And all of this is available in the AI and it's pretty cool. Um, you have different components like data. Um, so you, you're going to get a data storage if you want to store the conversations you have with it. Uh, you can create indexes, uh, create new deployments. Uh, you can add content filters um, because it, it does have like Azure OpenAI services that that's flying under the uh, under the hood as well includes this uh, this kind of content management system that works alongside the core models to filter the content. Um, so that's also all from the UI. So if you ask me, top of mind, using the UI, clicking around, 
It's pretty convenient. It's super simple to deploy models. And it's perfect for me. It was perfect because I had a need for one of my things. And I could try out different models and just execute and see what came back. Do, does it understand? What do I need to fine tune? How do I make this work best for my business? Right? As opposed to just say, hey, let's use ChatGPT with GPT-4 because that's the you know fully featured generative AI thing. But that's not trained on your data. So this way you can get started doing some of that. Um, but yeah, that's top of mind for me. What about you? I, I like the thinking. Uh, perhaps a couple of points to add on that one. Azure AI Studio, it allows you to get started with minimal knowledge and information on generative AI. And there's sort of two interfaces. There's the default Azure AI Studio landing page that allows you to bring in your custom data, select the generative AI large language model, like GPT 3.5 Turbo, for example, and then execute that in a prompt flow. The prompt flow essentially builds an API for you. And now when you call that API from your custom application, so your X, your custom application, will call the magic AI here, then you're getting the benefit of both the large language model, its capabilities, but with your custom data that you're bringing in with AI Studio. So that's probably the easiest approach here. But if you go to the other end of what AI Studio could be used, is that you can leverage Azure Machine Learning Studio as well. And that allows you to inject custom code, typically Python, in any bit here that you're building. You can add multiple LLMs, multiple large language models uh, on different phases of your logic. And then when you deploy these, they become REST APIs. And as you mentioned, they require quite beefy virtual machines to host those APIs. So that's probably the downside with Azure AI Studio. The cheapest that works and the cheapest that runs in, in a way that I could use it for a real business, that requires two VMs, about 32 gigs of RAM. So the typical cost for hosting a custom REST API with your custom model and prompts and everything else that we mentioned, that's about 200 to $300 a month. So that sort of is the starting phase with the cost of Azure AI Studio. For enterprises, that's nothing. But if you're building your hobby chatbot, then perhaps Azure AI Studio is too performant. It's too powerful for the needs that you might typically have. So this is for businesses, for building something for real in production, typically. Yeah. So Azure AI Studio, that's the one. The next one is a little bit easier, Copilot Studio. And this used to be called Power Virtual Agents Studio, I think. Was it so? I'm, I'm not sure. You know, these names change all the time. Right now, it's Microsoft Copilot Studio. That's what yes. I know. <laughs> exactly. So you can still use the old URL or something new, copilot.something.microsoft.com. We'll put the links in the show notes. I never memorize these. I have some aka.ms short URLs memorized, and I mostly live through those. And Copilot Studio allows you to create those plain old chatbots, but now there's generative AI capabilities added in. So that probably warranted the name change from PVA to Copilot Studio. And this is more of a tool for point and click. Typically, you don't do custom code. You could do, but it's fairly limited. 
So this is more about building the discussions, the topics, the flow of the intended discussion. So this is chatbots when Azure AI Studio is an API that you can then integrate with whatever else you'd like to use it for. And I'd say if you're unsure how to best use generative AI, Copilot Studio is the easiest way to get started because the free trial doesn't cost you anything. And even then, when you're running this, the license is more accessible than hundreds of dollars per month for running a single instance. Any any additional thoughts on Copilot Studio? Yeah, so the I like this. Like the um, another thing that to point out um, with Copilot Studio is power virtual agents that you might be used to or might have heard of or might have used. That's now Microsoft Copilot Studio as well. So that's that's now built into this thing. Um, I I really like it. Um, and the URL is copilotstudio.microsoft.com. So it's pretty easy. You go there, you get to the landing page, and you get a list of copilots, and you can just say, hey, create a new new copilot. This is the name. What is the language the copilot's going to speak? And if you have some website and uh, you want to push some knowledge into it, you can just put, like in my case, I tried with my blog, or you can try with whatever and say, hey, use this um, to uh, to kind of point it to an external website so that the copilot can answer questions over your data. So that's coming back to the business case or use cases we talked about before. How does a business create generative AI based on your own data? Well, this is one way to do that. And it's also pretty slick. Um, so I'm looking at it right now. Copilotstudio.microsoft.com. You just click it a click and you're up and running. And uh, you can, of course, configure some um, some things around that as well. But I, I like that. Um, straightforward. Now, uh, looking just at like Copilot Studio and, and some of the use cases, when to use it. Um, what I really like about this is that as a user or a power user or a developer or a creator uh, or a business, you can really craft your personalized co-pilots to integrate with these AI chatbots that you might have or other things and get that into your workflow. Uh, it does come with tools for monitoring, for managing the co-pilot usage, um, in, you know, including things like analytics and some governance features and all that is baked in as well. So, you know, some some folks have been in dialogues with, they're like, hey, we're just going to use an API and we're going to build everything ourselves. And if you do that, you do have to think about what is the scope of what you're building? Is it an Azure function just poking the GPT API of whatever service? Cool. You know, no big deal. You send a request, you get a, a reply and you present it. But if you're building something more significant, maybe an entire business unit or your entire company is going to be depending on a solution that you're creating or all of your customers are going to do that, you're going to need reliability and resilience and performance efficiency, security, uh, cost optimization and cost management, all these things that is, as if you design things in Azure, you know the well-architected framework is talking a lot about those things. That's something to come in uh, into play if you need to build everything ground up yourself or if you want to do that. With Copilot Studio, you get a long way, right? Because you get some of these things baked in. And with the monitoring tools and, and analytics and, and some governance features and whatever, that's already baked in. So you can also leverage some of these things. And 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 I really like that. So that experience is like for anyone to try out, I think you get a 30-day free trial. Uh, if you go to copilotstudio.microsoft.com, check it out and, and see what happens. You do need to sign in with a, a work or a school account. 
Um, so it's it's really suitable for businesses looking to enhance your kind of customer interaction. Uh, with so if you have a chatbot, if you have something on your website where you need to communicate with customers and you need to reply with something based on your own data, that's awesome. It's also great for internal communication if you need an assistant based on your own data or reports or you know whatever data points you might have that you want to share with this thing and say, hey, before you go and knock the door of a colleague or before you set a new meeting up, we might have the answer for you across all the, the data that we just kind of made available to Copilot. Uh, so it might be great for internal communication as well. Uh, but then you, know, you can automate a lot of business processes uh, with conversational AI. I think the sky's the limit. There's no real. Um, I don't. I don't have one single use case that is more or less important than the other. It's just the landscape of building these type of conversational um, applications, if you will, today is so much easier. So that's where I think Copilot Studio comes comes in. You get a bunch of stuff. It's pretty simple to get up and running. You can also build pretty complex chatbots. Um, you don't need to be a data scientist. You don't need to be an engineer. You don't need to be a developer even. You can just click at a click and say, hey, this is how I want to configure it. And you can go from there. Uh, and the fact that it now integrates with the Power Virtual a Agents, which is now part of it, uh, makes all the more sense because that's what we use. We used to build the AI chatbots using the Power Virtual Agents, but now that's actually in, in Microsoft Copilot Studio, um, which again, if, if you've used those, you already have some of the use cases for why you want to use Copilot Studio. Back in the day when we built SharePoint Farms with SharePoint Designer, the intention was that SharePoint Designer was the sort of tool that didn't require you to be a developer, and you could build fairly complex stuff with that. But then if you ran out of the capabilities of SharePoint Designer, you had to hop into Visual Studio and open C Sharp and XML files and JSON files and all sorts of stuff. That has nothing to do with the sort of citizen developer approach. And I feel the same applies here. Copilot Studio is a powerful power user tool. But if you run out of those capabilities, hopping to Azure AI Studio is less of a jump than back in the day from SharePoint Design to Visual Studio. Because with AI Studio, you have this sort of basic view where you essentially just build the API without coding. But then when you need to tweak it more, you can go to more of the advanced view in Machine Learning Studio within Azure AI Studio. And that allows you to tweak all aspects of that resulting API. So I would suggest try out Copilot Studio first, see what it can do for you because you're up and running in 15 minutes. And then have a look at Azure AI Studio as well to figure out what's more powerful on this side. What aspects can I tweak more freely in here? But also keep in mind that that will require more technical knowledge and experience in building solutions for Azure because it quite rapidly goes into fairly deep Azure concepts. And Copilot Studio will hold your hand much more in getting those bots up and running. Um, last bit, let's not spend too much time on this because it's less relevant in the sense I feel most customers and people get by with Copilot Studio and Azure AI Studio, but there's also an option now to run AI locally. So there's a bunch of open source and publicly available tools like Olama and LM Studio 
that allow you to pull a large language model to be hosted locally. And then it will utilize your GPU typically to run that model locally and expose a REST API for you to integrate with. The upside for this is that you can just get started. You don't have to pay anybody anything, but you do need the running platform. It might be a workstation, it might be a server, it might be a Docker container hosted someplace. You get to build whatever you like. You get to build one or you get to select one or more LLM models. But at the same time, if something doesn't work, it is up to you to figure out and decide what needs fixing. And it's up to you to monitor, to deploy, to do version management. Everything is up to you. But you have the building blocks that are sort of already built for you in Azure AI Studio and Copilot Studio. You get to build them yourself. More freedom, but more responsibility as well. Any any thoughts on, on this one? So I, I think that's... Uh... These are all good reflections. I don't have a lot of experience of using AI locally, especially like a large language model. I've never tried to deploy that. I was just waiting for you to publish a blog post on it. Uh, so maybe now I, I have learned a little bit more on um, how I can act on that. I haven't really done much like large language model or LLM work specifically i am one of those when it comes to ai i'm i'm one of those that sits and looks at the business case how does this justify our business leveraging ai how 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 do we make a decision investing in this uh, why do we need ai and you know what will it get us in return and then i try to use the capabilities that are offered from the various platforms so azure ai studio perfect fit for me uh, copilot studio perfect fit for me i can also like i've I've got 25 years of development background. I can also build something myself, but usually I don't try to engineer something that already exists. So for me, using them, something locally with LLM models is is something I haven't done, but I could see that it's great for something that you just run locally, um, something that requires maybe training on your own data set and doesn't require full GPT-4 capabilities. Maybe one of the models is really good at pulling out metrics or numbers or patterns from a specific type of data set. Um, like I know a lot of research projects and researchers, they use um, you know, some locally hosted LLM models um, you know, to pull specific data out. But you couldn't build, using those models, you couldn't build the conversational AI where you say, hey, what toothpaste is the best one to use in 2023 and why? You know that you can go to ChatGPT and ask that because it's it's live, it's connected with Microsoft Bing, it goes and search the web, it's relevant, it's trained on you know a lot of data, but if you host it yourself, that's a different story. So I I don't have the data scientist background. I'm not going to be able to do any of those things. So for me, Copilot Studio, Azure AI Studio, very welcome additions to the landscape of building your own generative AI solutions. That's how I get started. Then I can plug in and build on top of some APIs and can build stuff on top of that. But I leverage that platform. Like you mentioned, if you do this locally and then you want to expose it to something, you have to build everything ground up. Um, but it could also be that you just use a, a small language model, SLM, SLM, or a large language model, LLM, uh, locally for whatever kind of reasons you have. But to me, I don't have a lot of those reasons. So that's kind of my... My take on that, business justification first. If there is a justification to run it locally, for whatever reason, I would have to learn it and I would have to figure it out. Today, 
I have not had that chance, uh, nor the requirement. Good stuff. So have a look at Copilot Studio, Azure AI Studio. Uh, we'll also put links to the toolings for running AI locally, Olama and LM Studio. So you can try those out as well, but you do need a GPU locally to execute any of those LLMs in a performant way that they make sense to use. Perhaps we'll do an episode in the future on Azure AI Studio, a bit more deep dive, but, but for now, this was more of when to use what to sort of get you started on actually building something instead of just using an interface that somebody else perhaps built for you. Alrighty, the last bit, the unexpected question. Toby, I have a question for you. Are you ready? Let's go. If you could have an unlimited supply of one thing for the rest of your life, but it had to be <laughs> something completely useless, what would it be? Okay. Uh, okay, so two things come to mind. Um, let's go with one bubble wrap. And I, you know, the reason for that is not to use it for packing stuff, just for the endless satisfaction of popping the the small bubbles on it. So I would be probably the the most relaxed person in in a you know a ten mile radius, and my neighbors might start a, a petition against me, obviously, because all they hear every day is me popping those things, and that's my answer. Because the other day I got a package that contained bubble wrap, and I I was reflecting with my partner, saying to her, I don't get it. Why are they sending a package the size? of this package, and then they put so much bubble wrap in it that I could probably put my entire Christmas tree inside of that bubble wrap, uh, only for a small thing. I think I ordered like a a small uh, wrist band for my Galaxy Watch, and it came in, in a box the size of a, a shoe or a pair of shoes, and then, you know, filled up with bubble wrap. And I just, my kids were like, hey, bubble wrap, all right. So they went uh, playing with that. Uh, so that got me thinking. That's it's pretty useless for packaging, but it's pretty fun, right? They were super happy about it for like three hours and didn't want to, you know, go to bed and read a story. They wanted to keep cracking with the with the bubble wrap. So after a couple of hours of just listening to pop 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 from the bubble wrap and and laughter, which is awesome, uh, I'm pretty confident my neighbors would be pissed off as well. So that's my that's my answer. I would get bubble wrap for the rest of my life and I would not use it for packaging. I, I like this thinking. I always have to fight with my kids if they get any of that. Who gets to gets to play with that? And I usually lose <laughs> to the six-year-old. So I would, I would utilize <laughs> the approach as well. Alrighty, thanks for joining us. See you next week. All right, see you then.